Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So in the last hour, we had a uh, uh, Tony the Troll call in, uh, and as he is known to do, uh, attempt to troll uh, this here program. And I uh, thought he was making a hilarious point about the Dominion Fox News lawsuit. I'm not really clear what the joke was because it was based on an assumption about what I said or didn't say, but he didn't know what I said. So like, this is, I mean, just from a comedic standpoint, like you have to like, what makes comedy good is that it has some sort of a connection to the real, you know? But anyway, um, I think I'm done giving Tony free advice on how to improve his calls. Uh, but, uh, Scott says, what in the hell was the whole point of his call? If it was to prove that he is a jackass, then, uh, he succeeded. That's, I think that might have been, I think that might have been the point. Um, let's see here. What else? I had some tweets. If, uh, here we go. If, so Jonathan said, if memory serves me correctly, I'm pretty sure that Tony used to call the Rush Limbaugh show pretty regularly. Rush would shut him down, just like you did. That's, <laughs> well, that's pretty easy. Um, people like Tony validate the statement that you can't fix stupid. Uh, Pete won Tony zero. Uh, uh, yeah, buried lead. Tony has fans? Yes. Apparently so. He, he said it's for his fans. That's why he calls in for his fans. Uh, Duke Powers. I don't think that's the energy company. Says, Tony reminds me of a question I ask my wife occasionally. Quote, you know why I like hearing about the nuts on your side of the family? Because it makes me feel better about the nuts on my side. Tony makes me feel better about them, too. Not affiliated with Duke Energy Corporation. There you go. That's <laughs> Very good. Um, and finally, there's a message here from Timoteo, who says uh, that I was not nearly as rude as I should have been towards Tony. Well, this is, you know, look, as I say, like when you are in a debate with somebody, whether it's on the radio or it's in person, when you're on, when you're in a debate with somebody, what's the objective of the conversation of the debate? And see, when you start thinking in terms like this and you make this a practice, I'm just this free advice. It works in all areas of life. What's your objective? And if you start focusing your thoughts like that, then you can start identifying things that are imperative and things that are not, right? Superfluous stuff that you just discard. I don't need to pay attention to this other thing. Right, so in the course of a debate, quote-unquote, with a troll, what is my objective? Me, Pete Callender, host of this program, right, on the radio, my objective, and I said it like the shorthand is, you know, to not be a bigger jackass than the troll, but why is that? It's simply to be entertaining. And or informative, but it's not required that you do both. But just one, you got to do one. Hence, the way I interact. And it's more entertaining to let Tony hang himself with his stupidity and his lies, right? Than it is for me to try to prove that he is the troll that he is. I'll just let him prove it, right? I just, 
ask him some questions and let him continue his antics and everybody finds out. So now we're on an hour. I wonder if he, if he knew that going in, because <laughs> see, this is, this is just fun. This is fun for me. See, Dean's going to help kick the can a little bit further down the road. Hello, Dean. Welcome to the show. Hi, Pete. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to speak to you, but while I was on hold there, now I'm, I'm pretty darn scared. Why? I don't know. Why are you scared, well, I, Dean? I don't know. You really, uh, sort of took care of Tony or, at least all the other listeners did too. So, uh, I think people I, can see through that. This is one of the other things about talk radio that you can't do this for very long, and that includes writing into the show, calling into the show, like you do. Right? You can't do that for an extended period of time and be a liar because people who listen to talk radio, contrary to what Tony totally knows, they're actually very smart and they sniff out the fakes very, very quickly. And, um, that's what that's what these listeners with the messages and stuff. That's what they have identified. Okay, but my my question was on narcissism because you brought it up, and it I always thought narcissism was uh, a, a pathway to success, uh, something that you had to have a certain degree of. And it got me wondering who would have to be more narcissistic, a, a program host or a program listener caller well i mean i think it it depends right if the caller it depends on the host it depends on the caller right i think uh somebody uh yeah first off there is definitely an amount of ego that one has to have to get on a microphone open it up and believe that what you are able to do is going to be entertaining and or informative so there is you've got to have self-confidence to do that right just like you have to have some level of confidence in what you are about to say when you call into a radio show. Because the vast majority, like 95% of the people who listen to a radio program, will never call. You are a very distinct minority, Dean. The fact that you call everybody's show every single day as well, even more so. You are a very, very small minority of, of the total population of radio listeners. Most will never call. So you have to have a certain level of ego as well. Um, and so Tony does also. But Tony's rises to a level of narcissism. This gets into an unreasonably high sense of self-importance, right? Um, because he he feels like the stuff that he is calling in to say and his efforts at trolling are going to be naturally superior, not just to me and, and my intellect or my information or my ability to have a discussion. Not only is it above me, it's above every single host on the air here, as he said in the call, right? as well as every member of the audience. He said that. He said that he is smarter than every host and every person in the audience. And that is when I called him a raging narcissist because you don't, you, you don't get to that, uh, that idea without being one. Thank you. I'm glad you cleared that up because when you said that, I thought a narcissist, and I, I wanted to ask you because who would know better, you know, and... I know all there is to know. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Dean. Um, yeah, I mean, there are levels of narcissism, just like uh, ego. Uh, is it egotisticality? No, that was the song from Mary Poppins. Egoism, right? You have this overinflated self, uh, sense of self-worth, right? I mean, taken to its extreme, narcissistic personality disorder 
right? That that gets to an extreme level. And I don't think, I mean, I call Tony a raging narcissist. I don't know if he's he's actually like into the personality disorder category. But I would be surprised. Um, and there are narcissists, obviously, who work in media. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Um, but people who have it, they need and seek too much attention and there is this this need for people to admire them and yeah i'm not sure i <laughs> i'm not sure that i count on that one um they also lack the ability to understand or care about the feelings of others and uh i cry uh, at, at hallmark movies so i know that's that doesn't apply to me um there's also a uh, their narcissists don't know what they're they like they have a low this sounds counterintuitive but they have a low opinion of self they're not sure they're not confident of their own self worth which is why they get upset by criticism which as I went over with Tony you know he came in and he's just criticizing 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 and I never got upset so I would say you know score one for Pete not being a narcissist. <laughs> But there is there is always some level of that in any kind of a public performance. There has to be. There, ha- I mean, there has to be. So I don't deny that that there's obviously something going on there, um, some ego and, and narcissism, some some modicum of it. But when you start getting into like like you know mental disorder kind of territory, um, it's you know it, it becomes more profound and it actually negatively impacts all your relationships, your business dealings, and I've had none of that. So um, sometimes it, you know people get preoccupied with uh, uh, fantasies about their own success, their own power, their own brilliance, uh, their own beauty. Right? Yeah, I don't have any of that going. Although, okay, so I do need to say for the record. Tony was right. I don't actually, uh, I am not a billionaire. But he didn't know that. He just assumed that. But it's a good assumption because I'm not. (laughs) I'm not a billionaire. All right. Now, you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Alrighty, so let's get back to the TikTok Restrict Act. How about? Okay, so this is uh, ostensibly this Restrict Act. That's the name of it. It's an acronym and I don't care what it stands for, but ostensibly it is to ban TikTok. Without actually banning TikTok, they're just going to empower the federal government, namely the executive branch, to just gobble up more authority and make, you know, more laws, make more restrictions and regulate, you know, companies and and, uh, technological platforms. So obviously what could go wrong, right? Come on. So there are uh, some organizations that are expressing concern about how this thing would actually work. From TheHill.com, the bill does not explicitly set out to ban TikTok or any other app, 
but it gives the Commerce Department power to identify and mitigate risks from any technology that is linked to foreign adversaries, China, North Korea, Iran, Russia, Cuba, Venezuela, France. I'm just kidding about France. TikTok is owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance. And lawmakers say that ByteDance poses national security risks. Namely, that the communist Chinese are scooping up all of this data, including images, video images of Americans' faces. China has TikTok, a version of it, in its own country. But it restricts the number of hours, you or the minutes, actually. It restricts your usage to 40 minutes. And all of the content on TikTok there, it's all educational. It's nothing like we have here with, you know, girls doing dances in belly shirts or whatever. It's not... It's not that, right? In America, the Chinese Communist Party's company that owns TikTok, their AI algorithm directs American youth towards more and more extreme content. Over in China, it does not. Why? Right? If we don't understand that China is at war with us on multiple fronts, then... Uh, I, I don't know what more, you know, what other evidence is required. They are. Th- this is. These are all sort of proxy battles, you know. The Digital Rights Group, Electronic Frontier Foundation, or EFF.org, as well as another company called Fight for the Future, along with an, the ACLU. Which, okay, whatever. But they have come out against this proposal. Got a message here from Keith, who says. Uh, Hey, Brett. Hey, Brett, you should give Tony a break. Remember that small children and the mentally challenged learn by asking questions occasionally. Uh, And Russ says, Tony's fans must be the talk radio equivalent of the parents on American Idol who, after their kids' abysmal performance, say, you were great, baby. Those people in the industry that you want to enter just don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna start. Maybe I shouldn't call him Tony the Troll. I'll just call him Show Prep Tony. Show Prep Tony, because when Tony calls, like my show prep just is done. I don't. I like all of the stories and topics that I've got researched is right out the window. <laughs> just uh, all right. Let me get back to the Restrict Act because I did actually research this uh, and uh, do not want to uh, let the train pass before we register our objections. So the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which, by the way, you just heard the Grateful Dead. That was the bumper music there. Um, One of the songwriters, the lyricists for the dead, John Barlow, he's one of the founders of the Electronic Frontier Foundation, if I recall correctly, EFF.org. And they do a lot, like, they they started up when the internet launched, when Al Gore made the debut of the internet. And um, there's also... Another group called Fight for the Future, along with the ACLU, they've all come out against the proposal, the Restrict Act. Um, The groups are among critics that argue the bill could potentially punish individuals that seek to gain access to banned apps, possibly through VPNs or virtual private networks. Right, A VPN, you hear them advertised all the time, right? A lot of phones are now coming with VPNs. They mask your IP address. VPN lets users search online without having an internet service provider or an ISP. 
um, or other third party see what sites you are visiting or your data. It masks all of that. By the way, this is one of the things a lot of people don't realize this. Like your Internet service provider is scooping up everything. Everything. If you're not using a VPN, they're scooping up everything, and they're set. Like that's where the real data mining is occurring. <laughs> that's where it's actually happening. Uh, the legislation does not explicitly ban the use of a VPN, but the broad scope of the bill could lead it to being interpreted like that. Oh, that would never happen. Come now, really? Some bureaucrat empowered by a nebulous law would overstep. Surely you can't be serious. Uh, Senator Mark Warner's, uh, yeah, Senator Mark Warner is one of the uh, uh, sponsors of the bill. He went on to the Twitter machine, and he said that the uh, this Restrict Act is focused on foreign corporations, not on users. The First Amendment protects Americans' right to share and receive information, and this bill does not alter that. Let me say it again. There are no criminal penalties in this bill for your free speech. You're even free to drag the Restrict Act if you want. I stand firmly with freedom of speech, and my bill does not affect or influence what Americans can say in any way, shape, or form. However, despite those comments, the text of the bill leaves it open to be interpreted in a way that puts individuals at risk. There's a privacy advocate and global head of communications of the software company ExpressVPN. Her name is Lauren Hendry Parsons. She said, quote, while the intent, as spoken by Senator Warren, uh, sorry, Warner, is clear, and the senator has assured us in the short term that individuals will not be prosecuted, the primary concern that we have is that this is a slippery slope with serious long-term implications on privacy rights. There is a fella named Brandon Pugh, and he is the policy director and resident senior fellow for cybersecurity and emerging threats at R Street Institute. And he said uh, that the ambiguity of the text combined with the large discretion provided to the Secretary of Commerce creates concerns that the law is going to get used for reasons that extend beyond just curbing applications like TikTok. Others say those concerns are totally overblown. You people are making so much out of this. It's not true. Like, for example, this guy named Roger Cressy. Or Creasy. It can't be Creasy because he died in Mexico after he saved Dakota Fanning. Anyway, Roger Cressy, former National Security Council member for both uh, President Clinton and George W. Bush. So if you can't trust him, I mean, really. He says... The criticism that the bill could lead to punishment for individuals who try to evade a ban is that's a little hysteria. Quote, the criticism always is rooted in the worst case scenarios. Uh, Yeah, that's kind of the way you should think about government regulations. You you have to consider worst case scenarios and whether that, yeah, whether that could happen. He says that is the greatest consequence and least probability of happening. It's about foreign ownership of apps about ownership of apps from countries that we are worried about. Critics also say that progressive lawmakers pushing against a TikTok ban have argued that Congress should instead be focused on a comprehensive data privacy bill. Do that instead. Okay. There's another angle to this that is that doesn't really get mentioned a whole lot. But after all we have heard about social media companies with back channel access by 
U.S. government bureaucrats that have helped to, you know, put weights on the scales of content moderation, of, uh, you know, flagging posts and tweets and burying stories, right? Masking topics before an election. Am I supposed to overlook the fact that TikTok is the only social media app not owned by a U.S. company that the U.S. government has those back channels with? In other words, are they going after TikTok precisely because it is an alternative platform? I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theory. I'm just pointing out that the communist Chinese regime is probably not going to allow the U.S. government to tell it right, to demonetize or delist or to hide or to moderate content, right? I doubt the Chinese government is going to be open to censorship. Well, U.S. censorship, right, U.S. government. I mean, they censor there, right, from their own perspective, but they're not looking to do the U.S. government a solid, as U.S.-owned companies might be. Just food for thought. All right, now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at CarolinaReadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? I do have some emails here regarding the Restrict Act. This is from Chris, who says, I could be mistaken about the specifics, but last week I heard... Uh, so it probably was on WBT. Tulsi Gabbard say that she's very concerned about the Restrict Act because it will make illegal the use of VPNs and it will remove the FOIA process. Um, uh, I'm not I'm not too clear on the FOIA process. I've got a rundown from. Uh, hang on a second. I, mean, I guess I can do it. No. This is from EFF. Um. So a couple questions that the Electronic Frontier Foundation uh, asks. These questions, they say, okay, would it restrict, would it ban TikTok on personal devices? And they say it's unclear. Uh, The bill applies to six foreign adversaries, but it could eventually be expanded to other countries. The bill is being referred to as a TikTok ban. It can be applied to other companies like Huawei and Kaspersky, which if you're using that, I mean... God help you. That's the Russian malware that is posing as a security program, I think, right? Um, Congress can override the designation or de-designation of a foreign adversary, but it has no other role. Any lawsuit challenging a ban would be restrained in scope and the amount of discovery. The executive branch need not publicly explain its application of the law if doing so is not practicable and consistent with national security and law enforcement interests. Now, surely they would never classify something as secret when it's not really secret. Mm -hmm. Overall, the law authorizes the executive branch to make decisions about which technologies can enter the U.S. with extremely limited oversight by the public or its representatives. This is a problem, right? I don't trust the government to do this. Could a person be punished under the law for using a VPN to access TikTok if it, is 
restricted in America. Potentially. Yes, maybe. Recent comments by one of the authors, Senator Warner, indicate that the bill is meant to be used to punish companies, not users. But the law does not itself place limits on mitigation measures or bar individual user prohibitions. So we don't know. So right now they could be looking at just the companies and not users. But at some point, they could move to users. You know, like Congressman Jeff Jackson from North Carolina, who's always on the TikTok. It authorizes the Department of Commerce to impose what are called mitigation measures against the technologies and the, that come from these countries. But it doesn't put any restrictions on what those measures might be. So it's just open-ended. And then you couple that with this really vague enforcement provision that that grants the Department of Commerce the power to punish any person who, quote, evades the mitigation measures, and that's where you start, yeah, like you could be criminalizing VPNs. It could be. Even if the bill sponsors don't intend it, if you give the Commerce Department this kind of sweeping power to impose criminal penalties and fines on anybody that's trying to evade a, quote, mitigation measure, well, then, yeah, you're opening it up to be abused. Um, Another concern that others have raised, they say, is largely misplaced. Uh, Some have read the bill as authorizing investigations into any website that has a foreign entity's pixel embedded in it. Uh, And they say those uh, they they don't share those concerns. Um, They say it's the wrong approach to protecting data privacy. It opens the door to uh, wide ranging government bans on hardware or software from foreign countries with no explanations needed, little transparency, limited challenges via litigation and limited congressional oversight. It also intentionally, removes current checks on executive power, which are necessary even in the realm of foreign relations. So, I mean, there are a lot of reasons not to support this thing. Um, Got a message here from Dina or Dinah, who says the article that you read semi-quoted lawmakers as asserting security risk from TikTok when it was during the Trump administration that he was getting warnings from the military and agencies responsible for assessing these types of risks and that many had already banned the use of it among leadership of troops or among leadership and of troops so as to protect sensitive military information. Since then, even some liberal governors have set forth mandates limiting and blocking TikTok use. So it's more than just some lawmakers came up with this all of a sudden. No, well, they, they have come up with the Restrict Act. So if the if the target is specifically TikTok because of the concerns about the Chinese communist regime accessing all of this information and weaponizing it against us, then yes, ban TikTok on government devices and all that. I want to see more evidence of what's being collected, how it's being used and that sort of stuff. And we did learn some of this at that uh, hearing a couple of weeks ago. But uh, this restrict act is far more sweeping than just a targeting of TikTok. That's the concern. If you wanted to just get at TikTok and ban it off of government phones, then you could have done it like Governor Roy Cooper did it in North Carolina. You're not allowed to have it on any of your government phones. Um, 
and and this is one of the uh, it's one of the problems that Democratic Congressman Jeff Jackson has been called out on, along with Democratic Congressman Wiley Nickel, both from North Carolina. Uh, they've been called out because they've been using their TikTok accounts with government uh, information on it. I think uh, I think Jackson has even posted some stuff from inside Congress. Like he and he's got an he's got an ethics violation against him for this already. Dude's been in the office like a hundred days. <laughs> he's already got an ethics complaint against him. Yeah, we'll get to it in a minute. Next up is news. Stick around. <laughs> 